Hey guys, welcome to the CP Junkie podcast, where we bring you interviews with dentists sharing their CPD stories and journeys from around Australia. What better way to learn than to follow those who've already done it before? CPD Junkie is Australia's most comprehensive CPD, so head over to cpdjunkie.com.au and become a member for free to access the full features of the site. I'm your host, Lawrence Stone, and today we are joined by Dr. Bingley Lee. Dr. Bing Lee graduated and grew up in Singapore before embarking on his dental degree at UQ, graduating in 2013. He started a dental practice from scratch in 2015 in Launceston, uh, Tasmania, and grew it to a 10-chair practice with 10 clinicians in five years. He practices a wide range of procedures and has a passion for surgical and reconstructive dentistry, with a particular interest and emphasis on utilizing innovative digital technologies to provide superior outcomes for patients. He's also passionate about mentoring, having taught in multiple courses Australia-wide and engaging in mentoring programs with the new and recent graduates in his practice. Dr. Bingwei Lee, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. So, your passion is surgical and reconstructive dentistry with an, innovation, with an emphasis on innovative di- digital technologies. Tell us about how your CPD or dental journey kind of helped develop that. Man, you know, I think I sort of fell into that. Um, when I graduated, uh, I, I actually joined a practice that had uh, a rate cam. So it was the very, very early CEREC machine. And, um, and that, I guess, opened my eyes uh, to the possibilities of digital technologies. And it's just sort of grown from there. Um, yeah, so I've, I've done a whole heap of, of CE based around that. And uh, I think at the way it is going now, um, there aren't actually a lot of CE that teaches you the really, really cutting edge stuff. So that we've sort of had to sort of come up with ourselves, which is yeah. Great. I mean, tell us about that. So you kind of fell into it, you said. Um, was it that, you know, were you looking for a practice that had this particular um, digital dentistry side of things kind of, or was it like you, like you said, you're just kind of looking for a practice and then this is how you kind of came about it. Well, I mean, this is how I came about getting to it because I I applied for a job and they were like, we've got a CEREC. And I was like, oh, that's great. You know, and in my head, when I came straight out of uni, I was like, oh, all CEREC's the same. All right. So I started on the job and the first day I was like looking at this machine uh, and I think it had I think it had like Windows XP or something, like really, really old stuff, right? So uh, I didn't know what unit it was. And back then DPR was just getting off the ground. And mm-hmm. so I was like messaging a few people. I was like, what is this machine? And it turned out to be like a like a RAID cam, a Sarek 3, uh, which is old. And yeah, and I just had to run with it. And it was a, it's a pain in the bum thing to use. Um, but, you know, I think when you can use a RAID cam, you can use anything because it's just so fiddly. Yeah. So, look, I mean, this is the practice, what is it, Dr. Dr. Colin Armadale, was that right? Yes, I mean, you know, like when, when, I, when I worked there, uh, you know, Dr. Chris Cole had just sold the practice. And so he sold it to uh, my boss who hired me. Uh, and so Dr. Chris was working a day, a day and a half a week. Um, and I was basically there a lot of the times myself. Right. So, I mean, how does it, could, did you have much Seric experience back at uni? No, zero. Yeah, so then how does it happen that you go into a practice that's doing CEREC? I mean, w- there probably wasn't a lot of courses uh, for CEREC at that time, were there? Zero. Uh, there was a manual that I read. Uh, yeah. And, and I, uh, Can I say this, right? I think back then when I graduated, the, the whole Australian social media system was very, very different, right? It was just, mm-hmm. like DPR was just started. And DPR was actually started by Sui, who worked in Armidale then as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, a lot of the big names today where you need to pay to do courses with them, they will just help you out. So I was very lucky because um, I was there by myself and I knew that, oh my God, I needed to get some support. And so I will message someone like Lawrence or message someone like Alfred Sang who helped me a lot. And they will re- really just run through stuff with me, you know, so that, that mm-hmm. was great. Yeah. So I was very lucky. Yeah, and then the other thing was at the practice you were doing rotary, like with the Wave One or something like that. Yes, 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 yes. Well, I mean, you know, they had they had the the Wave One system as well, uh, which which was good. And I did a 
I did a course, you know, Omar Ikram uh, works, you know, works in and out of Tamworth and he ran a wave one course and that's where I got, you know, I guess hands-on experience of how to use it. And he, he was great as well, uh, answering questions that I had. Mm. Mm. So basically earlier on, you were kind of focusing more, was it on the endo side of things or was it more on the prod side of things? Yes. I mean, early on, it was really about, uh, it was really about, you know, focusing on the basic stuff. So how to take teeth out, you know, I, w- I was doing some uh, wisdom teeth extractions. I was lucky because when I was in uni, I was very, very um, keen on getting mm-hmm. wisdom teeth experience, right? So I would, you know, there was there were demonstrators in, in I can remember, right, in fourth year, I was taking out, you know, horizontal impactions under GA, right? Um, and so I guess that was because I knew that was something that I wanted to go into. And so um, I had quite a lot of experience in that by the time I graduated. And yeah, and, and, and you know, taking teeth out, um, you know, rotary endo, CEREC, just basic, you know, nothing, no rehabs, no big sort of, you know, cases when I, when I just graduated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so how did you kind of build on that wisdom um, surgical side of things earlier on? Did you attend any particular courses or was it just more um, practice with patients? Well, I mean, you know, I was practicing and then uh, what happened was when I started my practice, I was like, man, I got to like, you know, get a lot better very quickly. That's right. And so what I did was I actually flew Sui, uh, who is an oral surgeon now, and I flew him, you know, myself with Emmanuel, a friend of mine who works in Melbourne. We actually flew him to Melbourne first, uh, where we basically, he watched us take teeth out for three days, right? And then mm-hmm. after that, I flew him another time to Launceston, where he came in and my associate, uh, you know, my wife and myself were, my wife didn't really do many cases, but my associate and myself were just taking teeth out and he would just watch us do it. And when we ran into trouble, he would bail us out. Mm. And he had like a, he, I mean, he, he's got a program now, right? Which is great. Um, but back then he was building it up and uh, there was a lecture component on how to identify you know, what's risky, what's difficult, what's not difficult. Um, like a case assessment stuff as well. And, mm. and yeah, but the important thing was basically having someone there to show me uh, and, and I guess refine my techniques. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's something that we've done you know, with other practitioners as well. Sure. I mean, it's interesting that you mentioned that, you know, when you were coming out and you started at um, Dr. Cole's practice that you were mainly focusing on the surrogate, mainly focusing on the endo and the, and the wisdom, um, because he does a lot, he talks about, is it doing a lot of, um, restoring OVDs, um, strengthening bites, um, improving aesthetics and all of that. Cause so you didn't feel compelled to jump into that straight away. You wanted to do the bread and butter a little bit better first. Well, I mean, you know, I, I think for to do that properly, I think there, there has to be, I mean, I do that now and I think that I feel like there needs to be a lot of foundational background knowledge that you have to build on. Otherwise, you know, you don't like, you know, I guess, you know, when you, I, I think, you know, increasing someone's OBD is a great example. Like, like where do you end up, right? You know, and, and, mm. um, and I guess for me, what I wanted to do was to make sure that, that I could, um you know everything that i do right i want to make sure that i can do it well and so i just you know I've, I've as much as possible tried to be deliberate about what um i learn yeah right and so talk to me about you know being deliberate about once you what you wanted to learn because soon after that you were pretty much you know late 2015 you opened up your own practice and you're going you've since been gong strength for strength for strength um Tell me about, you know, how you were kind of deciding the kind of CPD you were kind of deciding that you wanted to do. You mentioned already wisdom teeth was one aspect. Um, talk to me about all the other stuff that helped you tailor your way towards a reconstructive dentistry. Well, you know, I, I think in those sort of cases, right, I think it's very important to talk to people who have ex- more experience, who have done it before. And so someone that really has shaped the way that I do things is, uh, and I did his courses when I was in Amado, some of them, right? And um, yeah, and, and, and essentially, you know, I just sort of, every year I try to identify 
a specific area that I want to focus on, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I try to sort of do things that build on each other, right? So when I spoke to Lincoln, right, he essentially told me this was like three, four years ago now, right? Before I even started doing implants, he was like, you need to learn how to graph stuff first before you learn how to place implants. Mm -hmm. Back then it was like, man, you know, placing an implant is like, you know, a graft is usually thought of as something that's a lot trickier than doing an implant. Um, yeah, soft tissue wasn't really the topic. It was people just talking about bone implants, like that's it. But now it's kind of changing a conversation. That's right. And so when I started, I actually started doing, you know, gingival grafts first, right? So I would um, do gingival grafts uh, and then, you know, I, I started learning about um, heart tissue grafts as well as putting implants in, right? And so uh, from the in, implant side of things, I, I probably did six, seven courses. And, and, you know, these are not like short courses, right? I think uh, I've done, you know, courses that are like modular, three or four of them, right? So I, I probably have spent like hundred grand on easy on, co on implant courses. And yeah. so uh, I think, you know, back then what I wanted to do was just to make sure that uh, I learned how I, I could, you know, handle soft tissue. I could put a graft in and I could handle like fine suturing as well. Um, and that served me very well, you know, because mm -hmm. when I started putting implants, right? Like, you know, you don't have to put an implant in a weird position because you can then, you know, you can graft first. Mm -hmm. uh, or graft at the time that you put the implant in. And so I guess, you know, when you take CE, right, what you have to do is you have to think about um, things that are, I guess, you know, complementary to each other. Mm -hmm. And it really helps talking to somebody um, that has got experience in it. And so, you know, another year, what I wanted to learn was like, okay, I wanted to, you know, I, I thought I had a pretty good grounding on occlusal concepts, done enough courses. I knew how to change someone's bite, I knew how to assess someone's bite. And I was like, okay, I need to do, I want to start doing rehabs, right? So what I did was I essentially did Tony Rotondo's. I did In one residency? the other. I can't remember which one I did first. So Lincoln used to run a uh, rehab mini residency, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that was the start of the year. And then Tony Rotondo ran a, uh, you know, he still runs a mini residency in, 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 in Pros, right? Yes. So what I did was I did both in a year. I did, I, I'm pretty sure now, I did Lincoln's one first so I could get mm -hmm. a grounding on like the practical aspects or doing a rehab, right? Like how do mm -hmm. you prep quickly? How do you temporize? How do you, you know, check someone's bite? And that was done early in the year. And mm -hmm. then later in the year, I did Tony's uh, mini residency, which gave me a lot of the theoretical knowledge because in Lincoln's course, he didn't really talk a lot about theory. And in Tony's course, there wasn't really a lot of hands-on component uh, in terms of rebuilding someone's bite. So I think that really together, that mm -hmm. really served uh, a great foundation for me and it was in 12 months right but I think in total probably uh, it was probably a hundred thousand dollars worth of CE in a year right yeah uh, because I had to fly to Bundaberg I had to fly to Brisbane uh, but it was great you know because it gave, gave me a very very solid grounding on why we do stuff how do you do stuff as well Mm. Well, let's let's hash back a little bit here. So, you know, you mentioned earlier on you're kind of being very, um, you're trying to be mindful about what kind of courses that you're picking um, and tailoring it towards your interests. And so, what was it earlier on um, that you were doing? Because um, you mentioned that you're doing these big courses for a new graduate. That's a common issue that they kind of feel um, is difficult to decide on because. One, they've got, they're stuck with a lot of student debt, right? And now you're talking about these courses that aren't cheap. These are like, you're talking modular courses that take quite a bit of money. We're talking like, you know, 20, maybe to 30,000, maybe, um, like you mentioned, you know, 100K in a year. So how would you suggest it to the um, graduate? Man, don't spend a lot of money. I, I don't know what else. Yeah, I mean, you know, like back then, right? We, we my wife, my then I guess, you know, girlfriend, right? Now my wife, we, we don't, we didn't do much, mm -hmm. you know? And I think you just got to put in the hard yards and, and there's no, there's no, either you join a practice where, you know, your boss sort of does this sort of stuff and they can, I guess, help you with that or you have to learn it yourself. And I guess for me, right, it was, it was, um, it was a choice that, that, that I decided to take. And my wife, and now wife, right, is always complaining that, oh my God, you know, you're spending so much money on CE. 
which is a problem, but you know, it's, it's, it's served us very well because mm-hmm. you know, like you always just want to be a better dentist. Yeah. So I guess you're, what you're trying to say is that, yes, look, you might be stuck in a bit of debt. I mean, obviously you still have to consider your own situation, but first off, you might just do the simple courses first. Um, and then just kind of, once you've got a kind of a steady kind of income that can kind of supplement it, that's kind of when you want to commit to it early. Don't try to hold back for too long because the earlier you kind of commit to it, the better it is. Is that what you're trying to say? Well, I mean, yes and no. The thing is that, you know, in my first, this is like a five, six year thing, right? And the sure. first yeah. couple of years, I don't think I took that much CE. You know, it mm-hmm. was just about basically learning the simple stuff. You know, I wasn't doing any implants, you know, mm-hmm. when I was at Armadillo. I wasn't doing any implants in Launceston until maybe two, three years ago, right? And it's, it's, I mean, I don't want your listeners to sort of feel like we, that they have to basically eat instant noodles for a year mm-hmm. and, and, and put all their money to CE, nothing like that. I think, I feel like, you know, there is a time and space for that sort of stuff. And if you, I mean, over five years, right, if you're very deliberate about what you're learning every year, you know, then, then, um, then you can get the best sort of bang for buck and get the best outcomes. Mm. Talking to me about that, because it's interesting you mentioned, you know, be deliberate about the kind of um, things you want to learn. Because some people, you know, they can, graduates come out, they've got, you know, I need to do ortho, I need to do implants, like I got to learn everything really quickly, I need to do wisdom teeth really quickly, you know. There's so many different things that are just being thrown at them, and they feel like they need to learn it straight away. They want to, but you're saying, look, slow down for a second, just focus on one thing. And just and be sure that you want to learn that and then just focus in on that first before jumping into trying to learn maybe two or three things at the same time. Yeah, I, I think that I think, you know, there are things that sort of blend into each other, like surgery sort of, you know, they're, they're quite similar concepts when you look at different things. But uh, a great example is ortho, right? Like I, I was one of those guys that I was like, shit, I need to learn ortho implants and this or everything, right? Mm. And so I did a two-year mini residency back then it was two years and um and i didn't start any cases because i just was so you know i at the end of the day i just had to decide um what i wanted to get better at first and i just couldn't juggle all that you know i just couldn't juggle actually also i did it quite early i actually did it uh i actually started also in my i think my first year out mm. yeah and, and, and only recently did i start like picked up also again, right? Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, I mean, that's a great example. That is probably another, you know, like a, another bunch of money that, that that was lost. So I think, you know, you need to figure out uh, what you want to do. I think you need to figure out what you like. It's hard, uh, mm-hmm. but if you don't want to throw money down the drain, I feel like you need to spend at least a couple of years just getting your basics right. And I probably didn't do it the right way. I probably um, didn't do it the way that I would do it today. Uh, and mm-hmm. I and I feel like you know, I surprise myself sometimes, like thinking about you know how much I I've learned over the years, um, and yet making so many dumb mistakes in terms of choosing CE. You mm-hmm. know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, thank you for being so open about that because you know a lot of people don't mention these. You know, you spend a lot of money on a structured course. I mean, which I guess your mindset was, you know, I want, I didn't want to spend weekend courses learning about author. I wanted something solid, structured that's going to give me a format. And then even after going through that, you felt, look, hey, I didn't feel like I had that support network. I didn't feel um, comfortable learning about it. And so, you know, I didn't want to do it. And then I would rehash that on that again later um, when you were more comfortable with it or wanted to explore it a little bit more. I, you know, I, I feel like, I just want to clarify, right? I, I don't think mm. it's about the structure of the course. I think it's more me. I think it's more me having that mental bandwidth, you know, to like, back then I was looking to start a practice. I was building it. I was like stressing over, oh my God, is it going to fail? Is it going to work? And trying to, you know, keep up with the clinical stuff as well. And still, you know, I was still quite a recent graduate. I was still, you know, like learning stuff myself. Mm. Uh, and, and I know, and I knew that, you know, once I started my practice, right? Like you live or die by things working, right? If things yeah. work, it wouldn't be long before in a small place at Launceston, it wouldn't be long um, before- Word spread. Community, yeah, starts hearing about that. So there was that part of it. And and yeah, and I guess, you know, 
also there is a lot of learning in also right it's like you doing surgery i think if you i think a good way of looking at it is to decide whether you want to go down i think pros and also and implant slash surgery they're quite distinct sort of fields and mm-hmm. i feel like almost you have to pick one uh pros is a bit easier because you've got a good rounding of it in uni uh mm-hmm. surgery depending on which uni you went to depending on how much surgical experience you had you might or might not get that sort of level of rounding and also i think you know i don't think anyone in australia um, has a good grounding and also straight out of uni so um yeah i think you just got to choose right you just got to pick and then and then there's endo as well right and then there's like mm-hmm. you know other stuff like peats you know other stuff that you gotta learn how to do like you know dentures you know you learn me to learn how to do if you're if you are studying on practice and if you are looking to get better at everything um as a dentist couple yeah so how did you decide you know that look i'm I'm going through this um ortho course but actually i realized i don't actually really like it all that much i kind of like the surgical side of things a bit more not well obviously right because if i did it well i wouldn't have chosen ortho straight out and not did any ortho cases um i don't know i just i just i just think it depends on what um really i think it depends on what sort of falls in your lap and I think mm-hmm. it it's weird sometimes you know all it takes is somebody to talk to you about something and then you do that course and you just go start going on a different path uh, mm-hmm. and I think that's what happened I think you know I, I was I am I guess you know close to to somebody like Andrew thought I was uh, you know, close to somebody like Lawrence and, and they sort of shaped me you know and, and Tony Rotondo as well uh, done so many of his courses and 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 you know these are the people that that I guess, you know, have shaped me and have sort of inspired me almost in, not almost inspired me uh, in, in, in doing certain things, right? And doing things a certain way as well. Mm-hmm. Mm. Sure. So, I mean, you reach this point, you're, you're, you know, you've decided to do your practice, but for a lot of graduates, um, you know, around that four or five year mark, they start to think about, hey, do I want to be a practice owner? Do I want to specialize? Do you want to become a super dental GP or do I kind of want to focus on a bit more family? How did you kind of decide how you wanted to go? Man, there is no, I mean, there is no easy way of doing this. Um, I feel like I made the choice very, very early. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and, and, and I'm happy about it, right? But, but starting a practice, I mean, I'll just talk about practice ownership first, right? Sure. I feel like, you know, starting a practice to many dentists seems almost like a rite of passage that you have to do right um but i feel like i mean increasingly right as the as the as the as the market's changing i feel like mm-hmm. it's getting trickier and i feel as well that you know not well, i hate to say this but not everyone is cut out to run a practice well right mm-hmm. because i think you need to have you need to be comfortable with things not going well and like be very comfortable with it for a long time i think uh to run a practice because mm. when you start right, everything's gonna be horrible, right? Nothing's gonna, yeah. you gotta, you gotta like, you know, make everything up, right? So I think what you're talking about is like understanding yourself and how you're gonna cope putting out a fire. Well, I mean, not just putting out a fire, but I mean, mm-hmm. being an asshole, you know, I feel like a lot sure. of this, you know, want to be like the nice guy. And, you know, I, I think the big difference when you're an associate is that, you know, you're always almost a nice guy, right? Because mm-hmm. you don't want really to, you know, like you can't really tell someone off um, to a great extent, but mm-hmm. when you're the boss, right, you've got to be the asshole to everyone. You've got to be an asshole to uh, the DA sometimes, to the receptionist sometimes, to the associate sometimes, because you need to them to sort of, you know, do things a certain way um, and get a certain sort of outcome, right? Uh, even if it means, you know, just so it means that it, they will stay safe, right? And I feel like, you need a certain personality for that. And I think you need to understand yourself. Um, and I, I know so many practice owners who are stressed out as hell because they can't cope, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because they can't cope with the fact that they're not everyone's friend, right? And they can't cope with the fact that there's so many things that they've got to get their, like their head around. And so they're miserable, right? So I think, you know, don't always feel like you know, I know many, many associates who are doing better than owners, right? Uh, I feel like a, a, if you're an associate and you work in a great practice, easily you can earn a lot more money 
than an owner and you don't have to do it and you don't have to do any work um you know on the weekends at night right because as a practice owner i don't know whether you talk to many practice owners but it's a 20 like at the start right before you hire people to do it for you it's a 24 7 gig there's no stopping right so i think you need to be okay with that uh and in terms of you know specializing this is something that i talk my associates sort of talk about all the time i've got an associate who uh is in her fourth year out and she's going to do pros next year yeah right and i think you know that's what you do i I think you shouldn't decide very very early that you want to do a special a specialty Uh, and i think if you decide that that's what you want to do uh and you've spoken to some you know if you want to do endo right spoken to some endontists and you've got a good idea of what an endontist's life is um then yeah you know i think it's great i think there is nothing better uh than to do something that you enjoy doing that you get you know fulfillment from for the rest of your life and do it to the highest level i think um yeah special but i guess you know the thing about specialty training is that it is a long you know it's another long slog right and you have to i know a couple of specialists actually when you go drinking with them they low-key tell you that they didn't think that was what it was and they're stuck right so that is a problem you know um and I guess, you know, my point is that when you're deciding, you need to know um, what you're optimizing for, right? And this is something I spoke about to the Melbourne Uni dentists, the, the Melbourne Uni students the other day, which is you need to know yourself. You need to know what is important to you because, uh, for example, right, my wife, uh, she is a dentist as well mm-hmm. uh, with two kids now. And it's, it's going to be very difficult to get her to work five days a week you yeah. know because her priorities are just so different mm-hmm. our priorities are just so different right mm-hmm. so i think what you need to do is you need to figure out what is important to you know that everything is a trade-off right like, i mean practice ownership there is a trade-off uh, specializing there is a trade-off as well uh, being a super gp there is a trade-off even cruising you know and just doing um, bread and butter dentistry which is great you know which a lot of people do there are you know sort of costs to that as well opportunity costs right so i feel like there is nothing wrong with just doing bread and butter stuff mm-hmm. um you know i think before social media probably that was you know when you talk to a dentist 15 20 years out right that was probably what everyone did mm. and i think that's fine there's no stress um you come you earn a good living you don't have to deal with failures you don't have to do with big things you know the bigger your case, the bigger your stuff ups, you don't have to deal with that. And yeah, and I think, you know, that's important to you. I think if you want to have a family, if you want to have like a, like a work-life balance, that is not a bad idea. You just mm. need to work that will do a lot of the hard work for you so that you don't have to do the hard work yourself in terms of bringing patients, in terms of getting people to rebook this and that. Yeah. I think it's an interesting topic you talk about because um, for the like the cohort um, and my generation of dentists, more than 50% are female. So these are very um, um, interesting topics that you talk about. You know, family is definitely something that they have in the back of their mind um, whilst trying to achieve all the goals that they want to. Yeah. Yeah, so I want to move on. I want to come back to just um, the implant, um, your CPD side of things. So implants is now something that's, you know, progressing. You've talked about you were not so much, you were doing some, you know, um, modular courses, but what you got out of it was that you want needed to focus on the soft tissue side of things first, the perioplastic side of things first. So talk to me about, you know, how you kind of decided to go, uh, what kind of courses that you wanted to pick? Well, that was something that was given as advice, right? Like by Lincoln. And I, I totally agree. I mean, now that I've done the whole thing, right? Mm. Um, I Back then, I think it's still the same. There were two main courses that you could do. Um, there was one course that was run by Lincoln, uh, the soft tissue grafting course, which I did. And then, you know, Pat Allen, which is a, an American periodontist, he used to fly down to Australia and he would teach you a tunnel technique with Elodin, right? I think now there are probably a few more people that sort of teach this sort of stuff. But back then, these were the two courses that I did um, mm-hmm. at the start. Uh, and so, you know, started from easy sort of free gingival graphs. Uh, my wife did a course as well, and she's probably a lot more 
um, talented at this stuff than I am. Um, so she she started, you know, like doing tunnels and having great results from it. Um, and, and yeah, and we sort of built from there. Right. And then, um, so you're doing that through Perio, but that was uh, after you did your implants. Is that what you're saying? No, actually, no. It was actually... Uh, oh, I can't remember now. So long ago. Um, I think I did some basic implant courses. Sure. Um, and I did the paroplastic courses concurrently. And and I and I and I, you know, people have told me this, and I totally agree. It is much 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 easier to do uh, soft tissue grafts around teeth than around implants, right? Mm -hmm. Because teeth are vascular, right? So, uh, well, I mean, they've got PDL, which is vascular around it. So. That was where I started. I started grafting teeth, right? So patients with recession, patients with like poor tissue quality in the front, uh, low anteriors, that is where I started. Uh, and then as I got more comfortable, as I got more, I guess, you know, I could finesse things a little bit better. That's when I moved on to more, I guess, you know, complex, you know, grafting or implants. Mm -hmm. That sort of stuff. Mm. Right. And then, so, yeah, tell me about how your implant journey has kind of been. Yeah. For my implant journey, I've done, oh man, where did I start? I've done, uh, back then, Lincoln was running a, an implant course with Tom Giblin and I did that. That was modular. And mm -hmm. I did the whole uh, Cambodia place 30 implants a day sort of thing as well. Uh, mm -hmm. That was interesting. And uh, I did uh, GBR. I did GBR courses, sinus lift courses with Chris Hall, uh, mm -hmm. with part of Guide, um, and and what else did I do? And then there was you know Rado's Rado came down to Australia and he was he ran an implant course as well and he talked about soft tissue grafting in that course that was very helpful um, and I did the hands-on implantology course with Lincoln in his practice. Uh, I think two, three years ago. Mm -hmm. And more recently, I did the uh, Tony Rotondo's. Uh, he had a, he has a, I think he still runs it, a modular, uh, you know, full mouth implantology on for sort of course. I did that. Yes. That was the latest implant course I did. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, and then, and then, you know, just, just refining and doing courses where I can. Um, the last two years have been very interesting in terms of doing courses with, you know, yeah, lockdown and everything. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So you basically started soft tissue, then you were doing single units and then single units, you started to do multi units and that's when you started to do the biggest cases. That's kind of how it's been progressing for yourself. Um, and it's been a, would you say that um, it's been like working with patients first after each of those CPDs and then that's how you've been slowly progressing towards it? Um, I mean, you know, like what I always want to do, right? And what I always tell my associates to do as well is to look for like a hands-on course, right? So, mm. um, you know, I did probably did a couple of implants uh, before I did. I didn't do any implants before I did like the, it was like a Trinon Cambodia course. And I was like, okay, I need to like get a feel of how everything is, right? And so basically place implants all day long. Um, and is it is very rushed. You don't know what happens to those implants. And and um, now people are like talking about how ethical it is, but you know, back then that was all you had, right? Mm. So I did that, uh, placed some implants on patients freehand, and then I looked at my results and I was like, you know what? I think it's probably better that I did it guided, right? And so I invested into technology, into equipment, into uh, being able to plan things myself mm -hmm. um, with, with guides. And, and then sort of, I don't know, I feel like, you know, when you sort of do these pieces more and more, mm -hmm. and, uh, Noticing things that you didn't notice. Before, right? Yeah. So the more courses I did, right, the more I could bring this sort of knowledge um, to 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 my cases, right, and to the courses yeah. back to my patients. And what I did as well is I've I've actually flown um, I flown David Atia from Sydney uh, down to Launceston to actually watch me as I did some foolish cases. Mm -hmm. So I, I think you know that is very important, and that to me, right, just like how I flew Suwi to Launceston, um, you know, just like how I flew Suwi to Launceston to watch me take recent teeth out, I feel that it's very important for me to have some sort of 
feedback mechanism where I know mm. whether I'm doing something right or whether I'm not doing something right. And I think, you know, if you ever got to get a complaint as well, right? You need to be able to show that you've had, I guess, you know, enough training essentially. Yeah. Right. And for me, you know, I, I look at my career as something that's a long career and I don't mm-hmm. want to, you know, just because of something that I'm very, very keen on doing and I stuff it up. Um, you know, and that makes me not be able to sleep at night. So I guess, you know, I, I think it might look like I'm very aggressive sometimes in terms of what I've learned over the years, but it's always, you know, you always have to have theoretical backing on, you know, on, you need to know when you're putting something in that you know why, you know, and the theoretical basis of what, how everything goes, how it heals, and then having some sort of practical knowledge, right? And so this is how I tell my associates to, you know, when they're like, okay, I feel like I want to do implants, right? Um, sure. How we, I guess, bring them through as well to make sure that they've done some theory courses, they've done some practical courses. Uh, if, if, you know, like for wisdom teeth, for example, right? We get them to do a theory course with Sui. Mm-hmm. And practical courses, I can I can sort of show them, right? Because I've done so many of this, I'm very comfortable doing it. So I think that's a good way of picking up a new skill. Um, yeah. Yeah, because like, you know, like, like you mentioned as well with the implants, a lot of the courses around in Australia are just very theoretical. Like there's not a lot of hands-on component to it. And which is why, you, like you mentioned, you, you went had to go overseas to get that hands-on sensation of knowing what it feels like to do um, those um, first stages of your implants. So you mentioned, you know, you, you started drift to really needing like um, surgical guides and all of that, which brings me to digital dentistry, which is, you know, something that's pretty big um, now um, on your end. So tell me about that kind of journey, because like you said, it, there wasn't a lot of um, CPD out there for it, but now there's kind of growing kind of education around it. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess, you know, for me, right, it was something that I always uh, like to do. I, I think, you know, like, I feel like when you digitally plan a case, right, it doesn't matter whether it's a pros case, whether it's a um, whether it's a surgical case as well, you get to see a lot of things that you wouldn't normally see, right? So um, there's so many cases, right, where I would put an implant on where I, I think, and, and if you can, I think I would encourage you to do this exercise, right? put an implant in where you think it's going to be, right? Mm-hmm. And then put a crown in there and look at how far away you are. And this is like an ideal scenario, right? Where you can scroll back and forth through the comb beam. And it's very, very rare when I do this with people that they get the implant coming out of the middle of the crown because it's just so hard to see, right? And this is mm-hmm. like on a comb beam, which is sort of optimized, right? Let alone in the mouth when you're like stressing over a thousand other things. Uh, as a new, as a person placing an implant for the first time. Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess for us, that was where, you know, I wanted things to be more accurate. I wanted to do the thinking pre, pre, you know, beforehand. And I wanted to make sure that when I put the implant in and I put the crown, the hole comes out the middle of the crown, right? Um, and, and You want it more predictable. 100%. I mean, yeah, you're right. You know, I want it to be more predictable. I want it to... I wanted to, I want to know, you know, they, in uni, right, when I was taught implants, they always talk to you about prosthetically driven uh, implants. Yes. In my head, I was like, okay, how do I, you know, how do I, I guess, invest in stuff, right? Such yeah. that I'm able to offer this to my patients, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and then, so that's, that's sort of where, where it went, you know, the direction that it went through, went down and it's worked very well. And I guess, you know, for me, I'm also very lucky in that, you know, I sort of entered a 3D, like I think 3D printing is a big part of this. Uh, and I entered a 3D th- printing space in a time where a few other guys were doing it as well. So sure. we actually have got, you know, there, there's like group chats where we would sort of exchange ideas on what's working, what's work, not working, what printers work. Uh, and, and these guys are starting to run their own courses as well, which is great, right? But it's just about finding a group of people that um, share the same sort of passion and uh, is able to that you can bounce ideas off. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, one thing I want to ask is as well, you know, being in Tasmania, it's quite difficult to get quality CPD. I think you've mentioned, you know, you would have to bring some of these, you know, mentors kind of over. So how have you and you know your associates tried to kind of tackle this um, quality CPD issue? 
Well, I mean, you know, it's you're right. Um, quality CPD in Tasmania is, is hard to come by. And, and uh, typically, you need to go to Sydney, you need to go to Melbourne. Um, and, I, and, and so we sort of recognize that from a very early stage. And so that's why we, I think every year, we try to bring two, three people down. This year, we've only brought David down. Uh, but last year, we brought Peck Hatwell. We have brought Suwi down. We've brought um, Lil Lander down. We've brought, brought Aniko Ball. And so, you know, these are people that we trust, that we know do a great job. And I guess, you know, you just have to choose the right practice to join. Mm. You know, I don't know what, how else to say it, right? Um, because you're, you're absolutely right. You know, people don't usually come to Tasmania um, to run CPD courses, right? Yeah. Um, and so we've had to do it ourselves and, and we're very comfortable doing it. Mm. Sure. So you've mentioned a fair few CPD. What's been a particular CPD that was a game changer for you? Oh man. I think every CPD you do, I, I think actually you're right. This is a, I want to take a step back. Right? I think this is a very big misconception that I hear my associates, I hear like young dentists talk about, right? They sort of feel like they will do a CPD course and you'll be like, Nirvana, right? They were like, <laughs> you know, like the heavens open. Yeah. Were, that doesn't happen in my experience, right? What happens in my experience is that you will get one thing. You will get one tiny little thing that changes your current workflow, right? Yeah. And that's going to make things better, right? So, you know, a lot of times, right, when I've got an associate to work with a CPD course, I'll be like, oh, how was it? They were like, oh, it was a piece of time. And I'll be like, did you pick something out for me? They're like, yeah, I did, but it was a waste of time. So they sort of feel like, you know, they will suddenly go from, you know, did what high on a pedestal. And now there's just like, well, it wasn't all that good. Take over the world. It doesn't work <laughs> like that. You know, I think, I think that question, I haven't found a cause that made me see the light. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think that there was a cause that um, was comprehensive. It was great. I think Tony Rotondo's mini residency uh, really, changed the way I look at stuff. But even then, they're still, you know, they only have got three modules. So I think it's three days times three, right? So they have nine days with you. They can't possibly teach you how to be a prosodontist, right? So even then, you know, I've had to augment that with, uh, with, with stuff that I learned from other people. I'll give you an example, right? Recently, I had David down and he showed me a suture. You have to do his course to learn how to do a suture, right? Mm -hmm. um, but that changed the way a suture and that gave me another tool in my toolkit, right? So for me, learning how to suture in a specific manner that I didn't know before I got him is very valuable. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like when you do CE, right, you almost have to shift your mindset from one of seeking Nirvana to like, okay, what gaps can I plug, right? and be okay with not all the gaps being plugged because it's such a big topic, you know, in yeah. it's huge, right? There's no way that you can learn everything uh, in the two or three days that you go for a course. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, yeah. I think that, you know, that's, it's a, that's why we ask the question, you know, cause a lot of, a lot of our community want to know what's that game changer one. So like you said, basically it wasn't a particular one. It's been a buildup of things. You learn, you pick up, you get something from the little things along the way. And then what happened is you implement it at practice and you find out, Hey, you know, these are some of the issues I'm getting with, but then it's not maybe until your next CPD that you do that you realize, Oh wait, actually, maybe that's why it hasn't been so great. That's right. And, and, and you know, it's, it's, it's not just that it's not so great, but, is there a better way of doing it? Is there a more efficient way of doing it, right? Is there a better, a way that a patient doesn't, that, you know, get, gets less pain, you know, get, gets less morbidity, you know, after that, uh, or you can do it quicker, right? So, you know, these are all, these are all things that, that you have to think about when you are doing a, a CE course and that will potentially change um, how you practice. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. But I actually, right. Okay. If, I think if you want to, if you push me, right? <laughs> uh, if you are doing CEREC, CEREC module one run by Lawrence yes. um, and Gloria, I think that's great. I get all my associates to do that. Um, oh man, I'm telling my secrets, right? So, uh, <laughs> and then- and That's then, what we want. We want all the secrets. Give us all the juice. Give us all the juice. <laughs> so uh, we get our associates to do that. Uh, I think communication, 
you need to do a communication course. Doesn't matter who runs it, right? They all say quite similar stuff. Makasa, Jesse Green, uh, because we're, we're with Jesse, all our associates go through that, right? And, uh, you know, when I, I think when you are a new dentist, I think you should do a restorative course. You should do a, you know, I, I think uh, there's so many people running these now, right? Like the, the one run by, you know, Chris Ho and, 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 and Barad and David Atia and Johan. Uh, mm -hmm. There's one run by, by, you know, Anthony Mark and the other guys as well. There's one run, run by Lincoln. I guess you just take a peek, right? Yeah. Um, I think you need to, Someone told me that I can't remember who. I used to hate how to do crown and bridge work in uni, right? I was like, man, if I never have to do a crown, because I hated taking impressions, right? Yeah. Uh, and this person told me dentistry is cross, right? So you need to, before you do anything else, right? You need to make sure that you can put the crown in at the end, all that filling in at the end, um, that is going to make them know better because the patient's not going to be like, oh, great implant you did, right? All they're going to see is your cross work. So uh, I think above anything, right? If if you wanted to choose one thing, uh, focus on the pros first, uh, and then everything else sort of builds around it. Mm. Endo, you know, implants, whatever. Sure. So what would you say to your associates, you know, when you tell them, okay, go and do the CPD. How would you tell them to get the most out of that CPD? Uh, I mean, I, I, tell, I tell them the same thing as I told you, I'll be like, you know, you're, you're not gonna, it's not gonna, change your life drastically but what it does right is that because these courses all like module i'll talk about module one quickly right because i i teach in that with with lawrence as well uh what they do right is that they have time to tell you the theoretical grounding of uh of what's happening right and so when i tell you hey you gotta press these buttons to get these sort of results you know why you know also for me right i can if I were to do that, it would take so much more time. That's yeah. why I get them to sort of do that course so that they can, you know, Lawrence, I sort of outsource that in, in essence, right? Lawrence can sort of tell them about it. Um, and and this is why it's great as well that I've got, uh, that we get people down to Tasmania to teach the, everyone as a team, right? Because what that means is that all of us work very similarly, right? Mm -hmm. And if somebody thinks that they've got uh, a better way of doing it. We talk about it, and if they're right, we change our way. Uh, but if we're right, they change their way, right? So I guess you know when 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 Leo came down, for example, for Perio, right? Essentially, what we did was we as a as a group on that day, we actually discussed what our protocol was going to be, and we locked it in. So we've got like a standard protocol when it comes to Perio. These sort of patients come in. What we're going to do, and how many appointments we're going to see them for, and how many appointments going to follow them up for right and that's worked very well for all the different sort of procedures as well mm. so yeah so I, I think it's 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 when i when they uh go for a cause uh i'm like i'm always like it's not going to change your life too much but yeah. yeah so who's been pivotal in your career path and why uh, <laughs> one person or I mean, you, you, you know, the world's your oyster. You can name, you know, two, three. I, I think two people. I think uh, Tony Rotondo. Uh, mm -hmm. as it's it's a pain in the bum because they're both in Queensland, so it's always like, <laughs> it's always a pain to get to them. Uh, yes. Lincoln Harris uh, and Tony Rotondo, right? Mm -hmm. Different reasons, and um, yeah, I think Lincoln is 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 you know he's sort of been in the education sphere for a long, long time, and I feel like without him. Um, almost leading the way a lot of the ce that you see today wouldn't exist right mm -hmm. uh i know sometimes he gets a bit trashed um uh, but really um he has he has really shaped how i practice mm -hmm. and i feel like you know there is always this no nonsense um you know no bullshit sort of bite to him mm -hmm. right when he gives advice uh, especially after a couple of drinks, right? So, um, LinkedIn and the second one, Tony, is just yes, yeah, amazing work, right? Mm. You know? And and uh, one thing, right? Actually, when talking about CE, I've, I I want to share this story. Sure. So I I've actually you know watched Tony in his in his practice a couple of times. Yeah. And there was one time I was watching him do you know composite veneers that he's so famous for, right? And he uses like, 
you know, when he do his course, he will learn, right? He uses like the most ghetto sort of, I don't know how else to describe it. He uses the most ghetto equipment, right? Like a minor strip and a wooden wedge. And I'm like, is that it? And he's like, yeah, that's it, right? And so I asked him, I was like, okay, so I use a minor strip as well. I use a wooden wedge as well, but what the hell? What's going on? You know, why the disconnect? And yeah. he told me, right? He was like, man, I've had 20 years to work on this. And I think that is a great point um, that I always share with my, you know, any, not just my associates, right? any younger dentist, right? Is that your hands take time to connect with your brain. You know, I don't know whether you have sort of, how long have you been working as a dentist? Myself, uh, this is my fourth year now. Yeah, so fourth year, right? I think you can start to see it, right? There are things that you would never be able to nail when you were a new graduate that you do without thinking now. Like sectioning a tooth, right? Like mm. like a, a great one that I see a lot of associates struggle with is actually something simple like opening that clamp of a rubber dam mm-hmm. and making sure that the rubber dam sits under, underneath the clamp nicely, right? Yeah. New graduates just bung it up. But that's because it's not their fault. It's because their, their hands haven't learned how to do it. Whereas someone like myself, someone like Tony, right? He would do it with his eyes closed, you yeah. know? So I think you need to give your hands time. I think that's the point I always tell them, right? You need to give your hands time to build that muscle memory so that when you tell your hands to do something, they actually do it. Because it takes some time to actually build that memory up so that your your hands listen to your brain. Mm. Because I'm, I'm sure there'll be so many times where you look at something online, you're like, yeah, that's easy, right? And then you do it and you're like, you know, totally not what you thought it was going to be. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, I mean, that was a great, great experience when I looked at, when I went to Tony's practice and I looked at him do magic and he does it so quick as well. You know, it's not just a minor strip and a wooden wedge, but he does it in like, you know, 25 minutes sometimes, right? A diastema closure. And it will take me like ages to like build that cervical and slowly sort of make my way up. Um, yeah. And it's ju- you just got to be comfortable with that, that it's a journey, it's not a... And so just like how you told me, you asked me then, right? Is there a holy grail cause that everyone should <laughs> right? It is a journey and you have to look at it like that. And so mm. I feel like there are a lot of disillusioned, you know, I, I think it comes in the third year as a dentist uh, where you are like, oh my God, what am I doing with my life? And I think that's where a lot of these, should I become an owner? Should I become a super GP conversation come about? Because they just are like, at three years, I should be doing magic, but I'm not doing magic yet. And I guess, you know, to your listeners, what I would say is that you shouldn't be doing magic at three years. It doesn't work like that, right? You need to give it time. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think, I mean, Tony Tony's pretty big on, he's, he said in a previous podcast as well about, you know, um, you can't do if you can't, um, I think it was either see it or, yeah. Yes. yes, and I think that's that's it as well. Like, you know, as a, as a younger dentist, right? You haven't really seen it enough. And, and, and I think, yes, you need to learn how to see it, but just seeing it is not enough, I feel like. You know, you need to, your hands need to follow your brain. And I don't think that always happens mm. until you learn how to finesse it. It's like, you know, surgery, right? It's like splitting a flap, right? It's like, you know, getting, you know, splitting a flap and advancing it properly, right? Like, when I did it three years ago, it was messy right it was like blood everywhere but now when i do it right it's just very little blood and i think you know it comes down to it comes down to the fact that i've i've used my hands doing this sort of things a lot more and Mm. and and i've had time you know to get better at it yeah Mm. some some people want to know you know does your have your parents um been a pivotal reason why um you went into business so early because they've been known to you know in in manufacturing right i mean your whole family i've been in manufacturing Man, where do you dig all this stuff from wow you're, you're being really i gotta know these things okay yes yes uh well, yes and no i think i think yeah my parents that my parents are in business uh i was the it's funny because when I told my parents that I was going to be a dentist, they were like, what? Why are you going to be a dentist? Like, <laughs> you're just going to be stuck. You know, like, if you, as long as you're not working, you're not making money, right? So it's a very, very different mindset. Uh, and yes, I think on that note, yes, 100%, you know, that has influenced me uh, in terms of how I think about stuff and how I um, 
yeah, you know, and, and the decision to sort of go into practice ownership earlier. But in saying that, right, I think they're right. You know, I at the at, the, at that stage, I was like, not bullshit, right? But they're right yeah. because I'm heading to work on Monday, and working as a dentist. Mm. Tell me about um, mentoring, and you know, because you're you're pretty big on culture, like you've mentioned already. You know, so mentors, what's what's the key things that graduates should look for in a good mentoring program? I think you should look for three things. I feel like you should look for some a mentoring program that has got the flexibility to deal with things that can come out on a day to day basis, right? So things that would mess up right things that you know if you can't take a tooth out and you're stuck right who's gonna help you uh i think that's important i feel like you know it should a good mentoring program should have structured bits and non-structured bits right i feel like the non-structured bits would be the day-to-day you can't predict what's going to happen today uh, and someone builds you out and then you know it has to be structured as well in the sense that you know if you can you need to have somebody to show you how you know, if you want to be a certain sort of dentist, like what steps you need to take to get there, right? And um, and something in between where, you know, if you've got a case that there is, uh, there is, there are provisions within that to, to, to help you sort of get the knowledge that you need to communicate to patients, to um, talk about, to communicate to patients, to basically, you know, stage out a case at what you do first, what you do next. So I think it has to be a mix of structured and unstructured uh, time. And I think above all, right, you need to make sure that you've got a time and space uh, or the mentoring program provides you with a time and space uh, in order for you to, um, you know, in order for you to grow as a clinician because you're not going to be on the same level as somebody in your third, fourth year round. You're gonna mm-hmm. think so, but it's not gonna happen. And you would know this, right? For somebody like in the third or fourth year as well. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, what are the same? I mean, you've mentioned before that there's the same five things new grads always yes. struggle with. Are those the things that you've? Are those some of those things of the five? Yes, I mean, you know, the five things, right? Would be stuff like learning how to section teeth, right? Because a lot of people won't have any experience in healing, right? Learning how to section teeth, learning how to find canals, learning how to get down MB2s, learning how to communicate to patients, how to talk to them about, you know, especially if you went to a uni where you work in a public clinic or you work under a public system, uh, it's very, very difficult uh, for you to suddenly tell someone that they need to spend uh, $2,000, right? And uh, on, on a crown, right? And there's three, and then you need to make sure that you are able to, if you're doing CEREC dentistry, there is a massive learning curve, right? If you haven't use a CEREC before to getting good predictable um, you know results with CEREC I think that our new graduates even recent graduates right struggle with and the last one is securing deep margins like how do you you know make sure that when you put you know uh, when you've got a feeling that is very very deep uh, how do you make sure that um, when you take an x-ray it's sealed and it's flush so mm. these are the five things that that we work on uh, from essentially from day one, uh, and we focus on these things essentially, like you know, essentially in the first six to eight months uh, of someone being with us, uh, we work on this all the time. Mm. Fair enough. Share with us what you hope your ideal clinical or non-clinical day might look like in five years' time, and you know what kind of CP do you want to do to kind of get to that point. Uh I mean, <laughs> me ideally, right? Um, I would like to do more reconstructive stuff, like more sort of, you know, building teeth up and putting jaws where they should be. Um, you know, implant work is very big. And I guess, you know, what I want to do, right, is probably integrating different disciplines, uh, integrating different sort of, you know, doing a bit of auto and do a bit of paro and do a bit of, you know, endo if I have to, and doing them well uh, to get a to get to a good result. So I think in terms of CE, what I need to do to get there, uh, probably, you know, getting back to ortho again, uh, learning more about ortho stuff. And also, um, and also, um, 
you know more implant you know big bigger graphs and 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 learning how to get predictable results you know out of that Mm. so maybe some like overseas courses are some something that you're thinking about yeah probably and also i guess you know um you know overseas courses overseas courses local courses as well i mean now there's so many people running these courses locally right Mm. you know and 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 just and i think for us moving forward it's probably going to be more bespoke you know where we get people down uh sort of courses where we go through that yeah because you found that that it works better for you yeah well, it works better for us and, and, you know, because it's essentially tailored to where we're like, and now that we've got a bigger practice, right, we can, we can, you know, afford to fly someone down because that's the expensive bit, right? Mm. Um, you know, flying someone down, putting them up, putting them up. Um, and I think, you know, if you had a smaller practice, that would be more tricky. Yeah. Yeah. So make it beneficial for both you and the, 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 um, the mentor per se. Well, um, Dr. Bing Wheelie, thank you for coming on the show today. If you could let the people know how they can find you or what you kind of got going on in your life. Well, I mean, you know, we, we, you know, I I post stuff on Facebook uh, and we've got an Instagram account as well, Lawn System Dentist. And um, yeah, we are looking for dentists uh, for our 2021 intake as well. So 2021, 2022. Uh, So if you have, if you think you're a great candidate, uh, do put in your applications and we'll be looking forward to that. Awesome. Want a few tips on how to improve your interior composite restorations to make them all so nice? Well, we've got an exclusive CPD Junkie Cheat Sheet collab with Dr. Clarence Tan. You'll get the essential tools to set you up for success, an exclusive promo code for the Hugh Freddy school tools composite sculpting kit and step-by-step case presentation so head over to cpdjunkie.com.au forward slash aesthetic cheat sheet forward slash to download your free copy today and make those bomb ass anterior restorations and your friends will be wondering how you did it if you like this episode drop a comment below on your favorite part or leave a review Don't forget to share it with your friends and we'll see you in the next episode of CP Junkie Podcast.